Hey guys, welcome back to the Black Sheep and Broomsticks podcast. My name is Izzy. And I'm Sarah. And today we are going to be talking a little bit about work. Um, working in the context of what the theme what the theme is for this whole season, which is healing. Mm-hmm. Um, and kind of healing our relationship with work, healing our relationship to the idea of work. Um, a little bit as well with like the just the concept of money because it's yeah. such like a weird thing like if it you totally think about is. it it's it's so weird like i i find myself like probably way too often it's probably like an adhd autism thing but like <laughs> way too often i find myself just like drifting off like just into a haze thinking about the fact that like once upon a time it like didn't like a, what is a bank account like nobody had one of those right yeah and it was or just the fact like, that, oh, like, I have a – The ahead. fact that, like, we have wildly overcomplicated existing. Like – Oh, my God, know, yes. Totally. I, my opinions on this topic are, like, constantly oscillating because on one hand – Same. I understand that, like, there are things that we have access to now that older iterations of humanity didn't have like penicillin for god's sakes you know where it's like life (laughs) is so much better on like a day-to-day comfort level than we could possibly ever imagine like i do think that when people talk about you know how they just want to exist and how we've overcomplicated existence i do think if we snapped our fingers and all of our modern conveniences were gone i think those very same people would have a very hard time adjusting i am one of those people i would yeah, have a very fucking difficult time adjusting to yeah. that and i do think we yeah. kind of ignore that side of it a little bit like we do have it really really good in like when you compare the cavemen like fight or flight constant survival mode compared to us now like it's wildly dramatically better however that doesn't necessarily mean that like everything we've done to get ourselves there is better and like we've actually fucked ourselves in the head a lot very often feel free to censor (laughs) because it's kind of early in the episode but anyway um like we just we've made it we've made things more complicated than they have to be and like we've like severely damaged ourselves psychologically in the process (laughs) so it's a double-edged sword um, and I'm sure we'll get into it more in this episode, but I definitely think like re-examining our relationship with discipline, hard work, um, dedication, things like that, like that conversation is not so black and white and I'm really excited to get into it. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. Me too. Totally. And I think it's really important that we talk about like money and finances and career, like from the perspective of like spirituality and stuff yeah. and witchcraft and all of that as well because so often I feel like the conversation just gets it goes straight hard into well you know that's just how the the world works and this is just mm-hmm. what you have to do and blah 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 and like on the one hand and this is like a whole other conversation I guess but on the one <laughs> hand it's like I'm appreciative of like you say, like the modern conveniences that we have and all of the, the advancements we've had and like technology and medicine and, and all of that. But, um, and like 
the fact that we have those things, it's like the hierarchy of needs, right? So like once yeah. that hierarchy of needs is met, we are able to then contemplate, well, what is the meaning of existence? Yeah. So like, yeah. on the, like on the one hand, without all of that, we might not even be like having these types of conversations. Mm-hmm. But then on the other hand, it's like, but it still sucks though <laughs> in its own way. It totally does. Yeah. And I also think, I mean, part of a piece of this conversation is like, just because it's uh, this is the way that we've always done it doesn't mean that we have to continue on that way. And if we can find areas totally. where actually, although this mindset or this principle contributed to a more habitable version of earth for humans, there were still negative consequences that we can either mitigate with different things, or we can go back and undo some of the stuff we did and change course. Like things get, this is very interesting when it comes to the concept of work in general and like discipline in general, things get so emotional so quickly in terms of people stop talking about the idea and the concept and they go straight into what they personally feel about it and how they emotionally feel about it and I feel like those are almost two separate conversations like we all have a lot of trauma around work that needs to be unpacked but also there's a separate conversation of like well what do we do about this like things are crazy fucking complicated now at this point there is no easy solution there is no going back like we're this is what it is now and we have to kind of pivot from where we are to find something more healthy, but it's not as simple as just snapping our fingers and going back to just existing and laying in the sun. Yeah. Like those days are long gone. Yeah. We can't, we, there's like, no going back to that. Right. And I think too, like there is this idealized version of the past that we kind of yeah. hang on to Yeah. because like mm-hmm. in all reality, like within human existence, like that was never what our whole totality was (laughs) it was never just oh i'm just gonna go lay in the sun today and that's just gonna be my day like it was never really no that way Mm -mm. like Mm -mm. there you were go ahead (laughs) every like stage of development had its own drawbacks and had its own Mm. difficulties and consequences and and all of that and where we are right now is no different and um i think yeah, there's a ton of different directions that we could go totally. with that particular conversations. Um, so before we jump into our topics for today, just some housekeeping. If you're watching us on YouTube, give us a like, subscribe, share with a witchy friend, leave us some comments. We do love working your comments and feedback into our future episodes as opener topics. If you're listening to us on a different podcasting platform, be sure to leave us a five-star review if you think that we've earned it. Um, and also share with witchy friends on there as well. Um, our merch is also linked below. Check that out. We've got some really cute designs, some fun little black sheep merch for all of you. Um, also check us out on Ko-Fi if you're interested for some additional content. It's very similar to like a Patreon style where we've got um, after show tarot polls. We've got book club. We've got a lot of fun stuff mm-hmm. over there. So check that out if you're interested. Yes, yes, totally. So, um, let's go ahead and get on into our soft opener question here. Mm -hmm. Um, okay. So this question comes from, is it Harris? Is that how you say that? I think like Harris. Yeah. Harris. Okay. So this question comes from Harris LaCroix and they say, could you speak more on how you communicate with deity, particularly on improving your ability to discern claircognizantly obtained deity conversation 
versus like your own thoughts, inner voice, or higher self. It's a oh, great I question. I love this question. I love it so much. This is a good, honestly, I think we've dabbled in this conversation before and it could be its yeah. own episode in the future. Absolutely. I'm really glad that this question was asked. This has been something that has been on my mind a lot lately. I think the first answer like as someone that channels on the internet, the first answer to this question is, is that you're constantly asking yourself this question. Um, yeah. I honestly, I, I always come back to, and maybe this is projection on my end, but it's almost more of a little <laughs> bit of a red flag. If someone's not asking themselves this question on a regular basis, Thousand because for me personally, like the line is quite blurred sometimes. And I think, you know, yeah. when I'm channeling videos on my YouTube channel, what people are seeing is not like a full body possession channeling. I think that's pretty clear in how it comes across. What's happening is the gods, whomever I'm getting messages from, usually the Morrigan, are choosing specific cards for me. And then I will see visions. Now it's not dramatic in terms of like, oh, I'm having a vision and passing mm -hmm. out. And it's like a picture in my mind's eye, right? So I'll have these, these visions that flash forward or very commonly with the Morrigan, I will get phrases that pop into my head, um, rhymes yeah. that will pop into my head spontaneously. Sometimes songs will get stuck in my head that I haven't heard in months or years. Um, and it's, yep. and so through, through the cards and through those, what could be deemed coincidences or stray thoughts. Um, but I attribute to her and it's my belief and that's kind of how that operates. Um, she guides my thoughts. She guides my words with all of those tools. And sometimes I will say things during the course of this channeling and then later information in the channeling will contradict what I said and kind of course correct so that by the end of the message, I have somehow landed on what the message is supposed to be. But it's not this yeah. divine hierarchical, like I am before the, the great wizened Sarah and I have all like, that's not how it functions for me. It's very much a trial and error conversation uh, do I have this right kind of cosmic lesson that unfolds over, over time? Yeah, totally. So the way you describe channeling is like exactly, almost exactly my experience of it for sure. I have, and I think we talked about that, this in like the very first episode of Black Sheep and Broomsticks. Oh my God. Mm -hmm. We, which by the way, we need to do like a reaction of that at some point, I feel like. Oh, that would be fun. Yeah, yeah, that could be fun. Like maybe on the Ko-Fi or something, I don't know. Mm -hmm. But um, but yeah, I think we had kind of briefly spoken about this on there, but like I have had like the full body kind of possessions, if you will. Mm -hmm. I have had that happen. And, but it's it's very rare. So like I don't really yes. get that like, an everyday kind of situation. It's like very specific scenarios, usually in like a healing sense is when that will happen. Um, mm -hmm. But that's like kind of a whole other conversation. But anyway, in so far as just like day to day, like living my life, um, you know, walking through the world and like seeing signs and synchronicities and feeling like, oh, maybe that's a message or maybe it's not like, I know this is like the most non-answer answer that I could possibly give. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but like, it's just kind of like an intuitive sense that mm -hmm. you gain. And it's not something that like for me, it definitely didn't come overnight. Like it was something that it's like a muscle, right? Yeah. That you have to kind of learn to flex. And I was actually 
replying to someone's comment. I think it was Dylan. I think it was coming, uh, replying to Dylan's comment on a video on my channel because he was asking about like intuition versus like anxiety or like what mm. have you. And like, honestly, and I was thinking about this a lot <laughs> and that's kind of a separate topic, but honestly, I think the fact that I have experienced so much anxiety and like I, I have had throughout the years different versions and varying degrees of like intrusive thoughts and things like that it's kind of taught me very well actually to discern like what is me whether it's anxiety or just a thought or whatever versus like what is something else and yeah. so that is something that actually has helped me and it's it's tough because it's not something that I can just like teach to someone teach. or like just very yeah. simply explain but mm -hmm. that's just kind of the process and how it happened for me so yeah and I think so another thing for channeling with me that I how I discern and this is this has been a really big one for me discerning what is the Morgan versus what is my higher self because that's where yeah. you're getting wisdom right so for me let me back up a little bit I know it's not my ego because it's information that is so beyond what I have ha what I have access to you know what I mean like and right. not that I'm this, you know, channel of profound wisdom constantly. Sometimes it's very obvious things that I should have known all along. But every once in a while, <laughs> I will get something that upon further reflection, I'm like, where the fuck could I have gotten that from? You know, there's nothing yeah. from my experiences. There's nothing from information that I've come across that would get me to that point. It's It feels so much bigger than me. Um, but one could say, well, is it the higher self or is it a god? And that's where just straight up like practice comes in, um, journaling, paying attention to your thoughts. I know these are like unfun answers. Um, <laughs> and I will say once you kind of start to feel like, okay, I think this is a deity and you kind of run with that a little bit and like, okay, let's just say for the sake of this, um, this practice that, okay, this is coming from a deity. I'm going to go all in on believing that you'll sometimes get confirmation. And then that's like, okay, yep. so now I, now I know what that feels totally. like. And over time you'll get more used to it. Um, it does start to feel like someone's there with you. That's another thing is yep. that my head feels, this is so crazy. I'm sorry, but my head feels emptier. <laughs> <laughs> when she's not giving me anything versus it feels more like someone is there with I me know what you mean. when I yeah. am getting something from her. And that sounds batshit crazy. Um, not, it's not extreme, right? If you're sitting there waiting for like a movie like experience, that's not what it is. But over time you'll learn to feel the contrast between their presence and then the lack of their presence. Totally. Yeah. Yeah, again, it's basically, like, spot on to my experience of, like, channeling and whatnot. And even sometimes, like, I'll get that sense of just, like, not being alone in the room. Like, yeah, even if I'm not necessarily channeling, but, like, if I'm getting, like, signs and synchronicities and then I'm sitting there, like, oh, I'm just making this up. Like, I'm just crazy. Like, what have yeah. you. And then it's just, like, Odin will show up and he's like, hey, no, you're not crazy. Like, this yeah. is me. <laughs> like. Yeah. duh yes and I think too like like you were just saying like it's just a, a matter of trial and error and figuring out what it feels like to be on the right track with that so that you can kind of follow mm -hmm. that when you start to get that feeling again like I don't know mm -hmm. <laughs> it's not really scientific another thing, but <laughs> no it's not scientific at all that's another thing with spirituality none of this is science so I 
there's an el a huge element of trust between my audience and me when I'm channeling. And I, that's not lost on me, right? Like that's intrinsic in channeling is that I'm just putting the information out there and it, there's trust between us. The other thing to kind of keep in mind is that a lot of us, and this is true for me, you kind of were channeling all along. Um, not in like, you know, always, but for me, it started like kind of around like eighth grade, like middle school times. And, um, it's, it's matured over time and it's gotten more intense and more real for lack of a better word over time. But I was still engaged in that a little bit in middle school. And so that makes the aha moment of, Oh my God, I'm channeling even less significant because you've been doing it so long. So like a lot yeah. of you might be like, shit, have <clears throat> I, like, I keep asking, I keep trying, but it doesn't feel any different than normal. It might just be that you've been doing it your whole, the whole, your whole life or for many, many years totally. already without noticing it. So totally. I always like to just kind of say like, it's not going to be like a movie moment. There's not going to be like, like physical stuff happening and like lights flickering on and off. Like <laughs> if that's what you're waiting for to start sharing messages or taking yourself seriously, like I would just, I would err on the side of like, you know, you're a good person, you know, you have good intentions, like go all in and kind of just, you know, adjust from there and, yeah. and learn lessons from there. Thousand percent. Totally. Awesome. Okay, so did we want to move into our topic of the hour? Yes. Or three hours, depending on how long this episode is. <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. So I wanted to talk about, like, the concept of working and, like, careers and money and all of that within the context of healing, but also just in the context of, like, like spirituality on social media, like, as a whole thing. Because mm -hmm. it's a whole, like, it's a whole thing, like, in itself. Mm -hmm. It's like a, it's an industry, like, by itself. Like, yep. it, it's, a, it's a smaller industry. Like, it's a niched industry for sure, but it's an industry. And so I wanted to talk about, like, what our thoughts are on kind of, like, social media witches and, mm -hmm. like, people who are like very clearly like, cause I feel like there is a difference and we'll get into it, but I feel like there is a difference between like someone who is very clearly just doing it because, you know, they're trying to make some coin versus someone who is like putting their heart and soul into things. You know, yeah. I think there is a difference. So yeah. Um, if you wanted to start off with some of your yeah. thoughts on that. Well, I think you, I mean, I think you nailed it just right there. Like, I think it comes down to intention. Um, yeah. like I'll, when it comes to like who I choose to follow or who I choose to like, you know, pay attention to and what it comes down to is like, you can kind of tell by looking in someone's eyes when they're talking, if they're a good person or not, more or less morality is gray and subjective, but like for the most part, you know, you can tell someone's intention right. by kind of their body language and how they're choosing to communicate. So if someone is a good person, more or less in, in my perspective, um, whether they're making money from the content they're sharing or whether it's completely pro bono, just a side hobby, none of that really matters to me at all. Um, I'm more interested in like the intention behind the person and like the person themselves. So I, again, I, tr I genuinely do not care one way or the other if someone is raking in the dough from the content right. they're putting out or if they're choosing to take a moral stand and not take money. Like none of literally none of that matters to me at all. I care way more about the character of the person that I'm consuming content from. Um, yeah. I, I just, this conversation gets so, 
I know we always talk about dogma, but it gets so dogmatic and emotional <laughs> so yeah. quickly because you'll either get folks that are so, um, so much a huge fan of capitalism and like, you know, it, it seems like they're yeah. almost motivated by the money and, you know, all of that. And they kind of lose the plot and the mission on the greater, you know, their passion. You can kind of see the passion fading, the more money and the more fame they get. And at a certain point, it kind of starts to feel like they're doing it out of obligation. And all of that's true. You'll also get people on the other extreme of the spectrum that are like, well, you're less spiritual if you participate in capitalism. Like, bitch, you got to put food on the table. <laughs> you got to take care of your family. Are are we seriously yeah. judging one another for taking, for providing for ourselves? Like, no, I'm sorry. Especially like when I think about, you know, YouTubers and stuff. I'll sit through an ad read so you can put food on the table. Totally fine with me. <laughs> I have no qualms whatsoever with that. I literally use YouTube as TV. So the people that are yeah. making content, and I know I know this, I make content, so there's also bias here. I am aware of that. But the people that I'm consuming content from, they're providing me with my central source of entertainment. Like I can sit through like a 10 second ad read and have no emotions about that. It's totally fine. Yeah. Um totally. So I, I get, I get peeved. I get pissed off when people go to extremes on either end and it's either like yeah. their whole identity is their money and like the stuff they have versus this, well, this puritanical, like, well, if you accept money, you're not, you're not spiritual. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not into yeah. either of those two ideas. Yeah. Yeah, I totally get that. And to be honest, this is something that I personally have struggled with, like, a lot. And I think a big, which there's other, there's other, like, cracks and crevices in this and a lot of nuance, which we'll get into as we go through the rest of our, like, topics for this episode. But I think a big thing for me personally, a, like, a surface level big thing that I think a lot of people who listen to the podcast can probably relate to is that I always got immediately turned off by it when I would see, like, you know, whether it be a witch on the internet or someone else who's just, like, generally, like, obviously they're talking about, like, spiritual topics and kind of positioning themselves in one way or another as some kind of leader. Um, mm -hmm. Maybe they're not coming on and being like, I'm a leader and, like, all of that, but, like... <laughs> If you're, yeah. but like, if you're yeah. putting, like, if you're putting stuff on the internet in like a spiritual context, like people are inevitably going to see you in that way at some given point, whether it's one right. person or like hundreds of thousands of people. So I think for me, like when I would see people who were positioning themselves as some kind of leader or authority or even just putting their spirituality on display for other people. And then they were like very clearly making money off of it. And when I say making money of it, off of it, I don't just mean like, oh, they're making like $5 in ad revenue from YouTube or something. Because mm -hmm. like, let's be honest. Yeah. My YouTube channel is monetized, <laughs> but like, it ain't monetized though. Like, you know yeah. what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's that's an interesting point. Like there is a huge difference between the spiritual creators that uh, then become pillars of materialism and like stuff. Yes. And like raking right. in millions of dollars versus just like your average Joe. That's like, yeah, I mean, I'm doing like a, an ad read for a couple hundred bucks, you know? Yeah, totally. Totally. So, um, yeah. And I think that's where like, that's where like the lines get really blurry because 
like I kind of see it from both angles. Like I do see it from the side of the person who has been hurt, like very, I almost said very violently hurt, but I wasn't very violently hurt. I was just very like traumatized. I mean, I hate using that word, but like Mm. I was traumatized severely by, you know, the Christian church, by fundamentalism, by evangelicalism, evangelicalism. Mm -hmm. and like not just those things, but also like the monetization of those things. So like something I haven't Mm -hmm. talked a whole lot about, um, like I did used to be a worship leader and I, I was very young. I was 18 when I started doing it. And, um, I was severely taken advantage of, like severely taken advantage of by multiple different churches, multiple different leaders in many different ways. But, um, Mm -hmm monetarily was was a big piece of that and so they would pay me literally pennies like for the the hours that I worked and Mm -hmm. then as like because the church that I was kind of going coming into it as like the worship leader of officially um at first it was very small um it was always pretty small but at first it was like super small like we were meeting in like a high school auditorium type of thing and Mm -hmm. the worship band was just me and this guy on a the djembe drum like that was it Mm -hmm. and um but then as the church kind of started to grow the worship team also kind of started to grow and but my paycheck did not grow at all so I was expected to like organize all of these people and do all these things and sometimes teach people how to play guitar like you know and I would be getting paid literally $50 like a week and that yeah and I mind you I was like living on my own and stuff at this point too so like it wasn't like I was just oh $50 cool you know yeah was this like your full-time career at the time like this is what you were doing constantly or was it like side gig so so it was that was like my goal and I treated it like it was my full-time gig Mm, yeah um so it was a full-time gig but I was also Mm -hmm. working a job at one point I was actually working two jobs while I was also doing that so yeah let's talk about that real briefly because uh, I'm gonna do a whole rant about this later so we'll leave it for that but (laughs) The conversation about like work and finding your passion and doing the thing that means the most to you, I, uh, oh, I hate the way that this is handled in our society and the conversations that we have around it. This whole concept of like your side hustle and like, you know, make your, make your passion, your side hustle, but work at it just as hard so that it becomes your main focus one day. Um, I simultaneously understand that that is true like that is true that's how you do it while at the same time also hating that with a fiery with a fiery passion um yeah because it it's this it's the callousness with 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 which it is discussed like you're not wrong that is how you do it um it just it's fucking crazy that that's the society we've chosen to create so I don't know. I just want to call that out because it sounds like you were like putting your heart and soul into this so that one day it could become a thing. And what should have been happening is the people that you were working for should have realized like, okay, she's trying to make a career out of this. Let's make this a career for her because God only knows they're not paying taxes. 
So no, um, and that was another thing. That was another piece of the conversation that I was about to lead into. So the mm-hmm. pastor of this church, he, um, oh lordy, he mm-hmm. had a little obsession with jeeps, and um, yes. he would be buying jeeps all the damn time. Mm-hmm. And one minute he would be on stage, you know, praising God and asking for your tithe for that week. And then the next, mm-hmm. literally in the same breath, he would be like, yeah, just telling the, the congregation with the microphone in his mouth, mm-hmm. Jesus blessed me with another Jeep and like all of that. And yeah, yeah. Meanwhile, he wasn't a really, he wasn't even that charismatic of a pastor, BT dubs. And so I feel like mm-hmm. a lot of the work that was done to like build the church and this, maybe mm-hmm. this is a little egoic of me. I don't know, but I feel like a lot of the work that was done to build the church was done by the music worship team. Not, yeah. I mean, not just me, but like the, the worship team as a whole, as it started to grow, the church started to grow and then it was just like a, a thing, you know? Yeah. And, um, meanwhile, like I was, and he also had a huge issue with like people who were like volunteering, like to be on the worship team and like do all these things. Like he had a big issue with like, if they had a problem, like if they had something come up and like, they couldn't, like they couldn't make practice or whatever. Yeah. Like, well, are you committed to this or not? And like, they're fucking volunteers. So. Yeah. That's and I'm glad you said that because that's the that's where spirituality and money when they're when they're mixed to each other when things get really hairy real fucking fast is this sensation of you owe me tides but also you'll see this with you know the the creators that again and I always come back to like you can kind of look in someone's eyes and determine if they're a, a good person a trustworthy person or not but like people that will like make content and monetize that content and they carry this energy about them of like well I don't have to be doing this like you guys kind of owe me um I fucking hate that. I hate when any creator yeah. kind of uses that uses that rhetoric of like, well, I'm you know, I'm I'm not doing this for my benefit. I'm doing this for you guys. No yeah. the fuck you're not. Okay? As yeah. a fellow content creator, I'm doing this for me just as much as I'm doing it for anyone else. Like enough with that shit. Yeah. Um you're getting something out of it otherwise you wouldn't be doing it in the first place. This like sort of like holier than thou like I am sacrificing my life for you and you owe me and it's so manipulative and it can be done in a very like covert way also where it's very fucking subtle in this like martyr complex of look how hard I work, look how much I put into this for you guys. Um, yeah. stop that. That's so, that's so icky and dece- deceivious. That's not a word. Um, <laughs> that's so we gross. Can make it a word. <laughs> like, I, yeah. <laughs> we need a dictionary of all the words that we come up with. On yeah. Podcast. That could be like our new merch. It's just like a book with all of the random shit we say. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, um, no, but I, I hate that though. I really do. Yeah. And like tithing is that, I mean, I understand when it was first established, it, be- it was because the church was like the government and like, it was essentially taxes, pre-taxes, but it's never just like, Hey guys, we need to like run a functioning church. So we're going to take some of your money to do yeah. that. That, that, uh, that's honorable and respectful. Fine. Sure. But what, what it always comes back to is like, you owe it to Jesus. 
Uh, what? Yeah. Well, okay. Jesus isn't and, getting and any and of on this. That, <laughs> on that note, like I said, dude was paying me at like at the at the top at the height before I left, and this was after I got a raise, fifty dollars mm-hmm. a week. And he, we also had to do these like weekly meetings, which was like really fucking weird looking back on it because it was just him and I, and Mm -hmm. we went to like usually like a Starbucks or something. And it was just like, it's very strange dynamic. Like, yeah, I can't do that anymore. Not with what we know now. (laughs) Yeah. No, no. But of course I was, I was super young, super naive and I really wanted what I was doing. I I thought it was good. So anyway, but he, during one of those meetings, I remember he like, I I don't even remember how we got on the topic, but he started like literally berating me because I wasn't tithing enough. And I was like, you pay me $50 a week. So if I just tithed off of that, I would be giving you $5. Yeah. For the 10%. And that's it. Also, I work my ass off <laughs> for the church. So, like... Utterly ridiculous. Yeah. So, he can... He, he just had to make his Jeep payment, you know? So, he was under a lot mm, of pressure mm-hmm. during that Yeah, it's interesting... It's interesting how that camel uh, could go through the eye of a needle easier than, you know what I'm trying to say. <laughs> it's easy. It's funny how like that is a thing until it's their Jeep and their house and their whatever they own. Then it's fine. Then it's like, Jesus has blessed me. It's like, okay, well, right. it's fucked up somewhere. Um, but to take it back to witchcraft, I am curious. So a lot of times what we'll see in like the cross section between like capitalism and witchcraft, you'll see people that um are very aesthetic in what they do with yep. and I'm sorry not much substance and for a while I took this and I'm curious to get your perspective um but for a while I took this tone of like sort of elitism like I'm better than that and I don't know if I'm like in this era of questioning my thoughts or what the deal is here but I've kind of just come to this realization of like there's it's perfectly fine people don't have to take seriously what i take seriously i don't think that it cheapens witchcraft at all to have people that are only aesthetically into it like that's it doesn't cheapen it for me and again i don't have this societal expectation that what i take seriously others must take seriously um and i honestly sometimes i'm kind of into it like i like the aesthetic stuff as well i'm not going to those people for like my hardcore like shadow work intensive like that's not where i'm going for that information i have other sources for that but i can appreciate i can appreciate it for what it is like i have no issues with it yeah yeah you know it's funny because i recently kind of had this rude awakening one could say like mm-hmm. i i realized that like and this is going <laughs> to Listen, I'm a human being and I can change my opinions, okay? And, like, (laughs) (laughs) like, and I still stand, I still stand by everything that I've said in the past regarding being a hedge witch. It does not mean that you have to be a green witch or, like, anything. But I realized, literally, like, out of the blue, I don't even remember how it came about, but I realized a huge part of the reason why I wasn't into green witchcraft and like it didn't resonate with me was because I was like rebelling against it because like like just what you just said like it was 
kind of like an aesthetic thing, mm-hmm. at least online. In a lot of ways, that's kind of how it comes across. It's like a very aesthetic thing and a very like, it's just, it's like pretty and it's like witchy and stuff, but it wasn't like, like you said, like what I do as far as like my shadow work and stuff like that. But it doesn't mean that I can't do both or that I can't have both yeah. in my practice. Um yeah. You said something really interesting, but you mentioned that you were sort of, like, against green witchcraft. I don't know. That's maybe too hard of a stance. But, like, you didn't resonate with green witchcraft. You didn't resonate with it because you were sort of, like, swinging the pendulum in the other direction, right? Like, you were, like, kind of, like, going too far. The question that I wanted to ask you, because I feel like this relates to work in general as, like, a larger concept, um, what are your thoughts on, like, reclaiming things? Because I keep noticing that... What's happening is, is when people reclaim something, they're just doing or becoming the hard opposite of the thing that they don't like, instead of like taking the time to just deconstruct it and like try again with something completely different. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. So I guess I'm like, I understand what you're saying, but I guess like just what's Mm -hmm. the, the question? Like, do you mean it in terms of work specifically? And if so, like how so specifically, or just like in general? Yeah. So, I mean, in general, I'm just kind of curious your thoughts on like the idea of reclaiming. Let's just start there. Okay. Um, I have mixed thoughts on it because I definitely, like, I see what you're saying in terms of like the pendulum swing and I've actually been thinking a lot about this myself because in working with like more closely with Lilith and everything there is a lot of the like Christian iconography and like symbolism and stuff that comes into that and on the one hand it is kind of empowering to like reclaim that in a sense but on the other hand it's like well aren't I just like doing what Christians did to pagans and like you know what I mean so it's just like this weird like, I don't know. I don't even know if this is, like, answering the question you were asking or not. It is. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I get what you're saying. Um, it just feels like so much of the conversation about witchcraft is rebellious in nature, yeah. which is fine. Like, th- there's a time and a place for that. But I just, I don't see a lot of the conversation about reclaiming being a completely different path. Like, it's still, like, I think I made this comparison in a video that I recently did of, like, people worship the goddess to be opposite of the god, not because they've found and connected with the goddess. Like, that's that's what I'm talking yep. about, of, like, you're doing it to be the opposite of the thing you don't like, not being right. genuine, you know? Yeah, no, I totally get that. I've actually, um, I was thinking about that, too, in terms of, like, my relationship with Odin as well. Mm-hmm. Like, I was... I'm so I'm creating which by the time this goes up it might already be released but I'm creating the devotion over dogma course thingy right now and as I'm creating it I'm also going back and like doing like the journaling prompts and stuff partly to like you know check myself and like (laughs) all of that but then also partly because it's just something that I I wanted to create for myself anyway so I'm going to go ahead and do it myself so anyway I've been doing it with Odin and something I kind of started to realize as I've been going through this process is like, I, a big reason why I didn't want to work with Odin was like, because he's a male God. Not only is he a male God, but he's like all father, which, you know, the Christian capital G God is like 
Abba Father God and like mm-hmm. like you know it's gross yeah. and so like it still gives me that reaction and so it is weird to me to then turn around as a pagan as a witch to find another father god and just be like I'm okay with this I guess mm-hmm. um so I guess is that more so what you mean in terms of like reclaiming yes okay yes because and I'm sure you're kind of like learning this on your path, but our relationship with Odin exists in a world that Christianity doesn't even belong in. It's not that, oh, I hate the Christian God, but I'm going to have a relationship with Odin, but he's going to be nothing like that God. And he's going to be a pagan version. Like, no, my relationship with Odin has nothing to do with Christianity at all. Like it, it's not, it's not a comparison. It's not the opposite of, it's not in protest of, it's completely separate. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I just, it's not that I'm saying all people are getting this wrong and I'm the one and only person that's doing it right. I'm just (laughs) saying, I don't know if we're contemplating it enough or realize and like thinking about it as we're going through this period in time of reclaiming things. I just want us to kind of keep that in mind a little bit more is the only thing I'm trying to say. Yeah, totally. Yeah. So could you give like, just for like the audience, I guess, Is there, like, a a particular example that you have about what you mean, like, when someone is just going, like, rebelling as opposed to Mm. reclaiming? Yeah, well, let's use work as an example. Like, I, um, so obviously the narrative that has been pushed to us the majority of our lives and is still continued to be pushed by us by, you know, people that are a huge fan of capitalism and hustle culture and all that is this idea of, like, and we'll get into this more, but this idea of like, you are your work work is the most important thing you can contribute. And like this whole, like aggressive, like intense, like work culture. And when I see people like going through this era of reclaiming work and like relearning their relationship with work, I very often will see people go hard in the opposite direction of, well, I'm just, I'm not going to put in any effort because, like, what's the purpose anyway? And it's not necessarily that people are yeah. coming outright and saying that, but there is that subtle undertone of, like, well, this is all meaningless anyway. So, you know, and uh, not to get super controversial, but, like, an area where this really becomes apparent is in health. You'll see this. Um, yeah. Of it, it's almost like, you know, again, growing up my whole life, I had this very, like, strict, like, the thinner you are, the better human you are. And it was this just gross, like ridiculous cultural fixation on that. And now I feel like we've gotten to a place where the pendulum is swinging in the opposite direction. No one's taking the time to ask themselves, okay, like what is the mentally and physically healthiest approach to food and diet and exercise and all that? No one's doing that. It's just the, well, we don't like a, so we're going to become B and we're going to be as opposite in every way that we possibly can because we don't like the other thing. And then people see that and respond by going super hard in their corner. And it's like, guys, all of this is wrong. (laughs) All of this, the notion that like you have no control over your health and it's your, it's purely the luck of the draw with genetics. That's insane. That's fucking insane. But the opposite of like, you're a morally good person. If you're skinny, that's also fucking insane and super unhealthy. It's just, so that's what I'm talking about. When you see people reclaiming things is like, it's like this in it's, you're more focused on being the opposite than you are on asking yourself what the healthiest thing for you is in that moment. Yeah. So kind of redefining something almost. Yes. Yes. As if the other, as if the trauma never existed in the first place, as if the person that's telling you the lie 
never existed in the first place. And yeah. that takes a level of healing, right? Like I, I do think some of this stuff happens in stages, right? And again, the archetype of the rebel is very necessary in a lot of cases. So I don't want to make it sound like that's just never appropriate. It is in a lot of situations, but at a certain point, you kind of have to get to a place where you're living for yourself, not living in opposition to someone else. Um, yeah. And it's not easy. Totally. It takes a really long time. But like that's to me, that's the healthiest end goal. Like I am living my life for myself, not to be rebellious against people that I don't like. Yeah. Totally. Thousand percent. Um, and you see this a lot, too, um, with speaking of working with Lilith, like a lot of people will come to her, work with her, use her name in ways of being like, well, I'm not a Christian and I'm so totally not a Christian because I'm working with like <laughs> yeah. a demon lady that like caused the fall of man. Like, <laughs> And yeah. I definitely, I definitely see that. And I, I do feel that in some way, like I do feel a sense of empowerment and I do see value in that perspective and, and doing it for that reason to an extent. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. But something that Lilith has been very clear with me about is like, that's not where it stops. Like, you don't just become a rebel and then, like, fight super hard against, like, the patriarchy or, like, Christianity or, like, whatever it is. And then that's mm -hmm. it. Because at that point, once the battle is over, whether you win or lose, once the battle is over, if that's all you're living for, then, like, what do you do? Yeah. Yes. And that's why we have the pendulum swinging back and forth all the fucking time. Because nobody mm -hmm. actually has any idea what they're doing aside from pointing fingers at each other that's the right and the whole their whole guiding focus is to be the opposite of the other guy um right yeah i mean this is this is the cause of so many problems no one has a conversation about the ideas and what the best solution is we're just oh i don't like that so i'm doing the hard yeah. opposite and it's like it's madness the other thing yeah. like i always whenever we talk about the gods i always come back to like how would you feel like put yourself in the god shoes of like a human relationship yeah. if someone is only interested in working with you and being friends with you because they're protesting against someone else that's kind of fucked up I don't want friends yeah. that only want to hang out with me because they're mad at someone else. I mean that we recognize that in friend groups as an unhealthy dynamic, um, that like, you know, totally. Cheryl and Lisa are only friends with Kelsey <laughs> because they're mad at Sam. Like yeah. we know that that's not healthy for humans yet. Sometimes we're doing it to the gods. Okay. So let's move on to our next um, topic here. Um, honing in a little bit more on work. So the, the thing we wanted to talk about first was the things that we were taught about specifically work and discipline as kids. So I'll let you start. Yeah. Oh boy. Um, <laughs> so this one's a big one. Um, yeah. I think for me, um, it was never so much that I was taught specific things, like had specific things like drilled into my head by like things that were said or even modeled for me specifically. I think it was just... I don't know. Because, <laughs> okay, it's no secret, like, if you listen to the podcast, it's no secret that, like, my dad's a narcissist and, like, does all these crazy things, right? And, yeah, like, he was that way when I was growing up. Like, there was no point in my life where I can look back and be like, he was fine. Like, <laughs> there's yeah. no point right. that I can look at and say that. And, um, like, typical, and I've also kind of spoken about this, too. I, I do think that he 
I, I mean, I know as close to knowing as I can. I know that he also has like ADHD and stuff, which of course he never got diagnosed or treated for. Um, so that was like kind of ruining our lives. Yeah. <laughs> um, cause like he could never hold a job like ever. And so he held like, I think he held a regular traditional job one time for more than like five months and mm. that was like a miracle like mm-hmm. a miracle and so yeah so he never really worked in any traditional way it was always a struggle like we don't get me wrong like we were never like homeless or anything like that like we always had food on the table in one way or another um yeah. some nights it was just a peanut butter sandwich but I really grew to love peanut butter sandwiches so it's fine <laughs> yeah <laughs> but um like we always had food on the table you know so he he did provide in that sense um I don't want to take away from that in and of itself one way or the other he got it done I guess but mm-hmm. um it was very shaky and was very unstable and like he was always stressed out and kind of the messaging that I got from that in a subconscious, subtle kind of way, was, oh, life is always gonna suck and just be so hard and terrible, and, like, trying to pay bills is gonna be, like, the hardest thing in the entire world. Like, how, Mm -hmm. like, it's impossible to be happy and make money and, like, be okay with your life and everything like it's just impossible to do that that's kind of what was modeled for me and so I think I just had a lot of I had a lot of shadows about that that I'm just now starting to kind of unpack because well a lot of different reasons but yeah so that was a big thing of like instability a big factor um that caused a lot of instability and shakiness for me around the idea of work um, yeah. and I also, I don't know if I've talked about this. I think I've talked about it a little bit on my channel, but like, I mean, either way, it's fine. I started working at a very young age. Um, I was like 12. I started working, mm. um, my dad's business and like, I never really stopped working until I went to college Um, And even then, when I was in college, I had jobs. I just wasn't working for my dad anymore. Um, And I just, I don't know. I Like, from that very young age, like, even though it was never said to me, like, it was never something that he or anybody in my family said, I just always had this, like, insane amount of pressure to, like, make money and, like, do all of that. And so, yeah, it's just kind of put me in this like weird place of survival almost and I'm just now kind of starting to realize that that's what happened to me and like that's that in combination with the ADHD Mm -hmm. and everything was a huge reason why I struggled to like find a career to begin with um and all that question for you because you had this story in your head that life was always going to be a struggle did you find that like you never saved your money like you would get money but then you would just kind of spend it because well, you're, sh- you're shaking your head. Yes, you were doing that because, yeah. and so yeah. 
it's so weird. Like it's, it's this double-edged sword of like, when you teach a child that life is like this, the, the act of making money and providing for yourself is always going to be tough. The question then becomes like, why should I even bother saving it? Like if I'm constantly going to have to be scrapping for money, what's the point of saving it? Now we know that that doesn't make any sense. Like logically speaking, but that's the, um, the emotional undertone behind it. Like that line that gets drawn in your brain of like, well, then just fuck it. I'll just spend it all because I'm no matter what, I'm constantly going to be struggling. Yep. Totally. I totally had that. Um, that's another thing that I'm working through right now. I'm doing a little bit better with that. So did you feel like that because of the, the fact that you, you know, money was more difficult for your father and your family to attain. Did you, and you mentioned that your dad like had a hard time keeping one solid job. Did you like do the hard opposite of like, once I have a job, I'm never leaving. Or did you do, did you fall in like a similar pattern to him? So I would say I fell in kind of like a similar pattern. Um, but the thing is, and you know, I've spoken to a lot of people, uh, with ADHD and even just like reading things on like the ADHD Mm -hmm. subreddit, which I've honestly found to be like super helpful (laughs) Helpful, and cathartic in a lot of ways. But, um, you know, talking to other people who have experienced this, it's like when you're in it, you don't really see that that's what's happening to you because Mm -hmm. another thing that gets, overlooked I think and that I think also plays a role in it like obviously with ADHD you have like attention problems and stuff but then there's also this like weird relationship with time that you have and it's like time like your time is like existing in a different realm than like other people's time and Mm -hmm. it's like my body until I got on ADHD medication my body was even on like a weird schedule and like all of that too so time can feel like much longer than it actually is or much shorter than it actually is and so I um I would like when I was first living on my own um while I was also doing like the worship leader thing I would jump from job to job to job usually like three to six months or so I would I would find a different job and it would always be like justified in my head right because like on the one hand sometimes it would feel like oh I've been doing this job for like forever even though like in reality it's only been like three months yeah. but like yeah the my body's like and my brain's perception of time is just like way off so it literally feels like I've been there for like three years like you know Um, there's that aspect to it, but then there's also the aspect of like, when you feel a certain way, like when you have all of this, like, cause ADHD gives you like nervous energy and you just want to like run around and you don't really know why you want to run, run around. You don't really know why you're irritable. And so you're kind of like looking around yourself for a reason to justify why you have these feelings. And so Mm -hmm. in terms of the, the job situation, it was like, I would look around me and be like, well, the reason why I feel antsy and why I want to leave is because my boss is a bitch and because this is this and blah, 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 blah. You know, I would make up all of these reasons. And like sometimes, yeah, maybe that did play a role into it, but it was like that was never the actual underlying cause, you know? Mm -hmm. Because once I started understanding what was happening to me, once I started the ADHD medication and everything, literally – the first year after I started my ADHD meds, I stayed in that same job for a year. 
And mm-hmm. the only reason why the only reason why I left was because we moved. Like that was literally the only reason why I left. I would have happily stayed there for like forever. And it actually got to the point like the owners like they trusted me to like take care of like the office and stuff when they were leaving. And like when mm-hmm. they would say that to me, like, "Oh, can you like hold down the fort and like do this and do that while we're out of town for like three weeks?" I'd be like, "Like <laughs> me? Like what? <laughs> yeah. Are you sure?" <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, and so like just seeing that drastic change is just like I don't know. It makes me feel a lot better about myself to realize that yeah. like, oh, of I'm course. I'm not just like a shitty person. Like there is actually a no. problem that like. <laughs> needed to be helped so yeah and I think you bring up a really good point and this is like kind of getting in a little bit to like what I was taught the correlation between morality and work ethic is the bane of my my existence I nothing makes my skin crawl I guess maybe I shouldn't say nothing because like war is not great either but (laughs) Oh my God, is this a trigger point for me? And I don't mean trigger as in like, I have something to heal. That's part of it. But I mean, genuinely, this pisses me off the way that society talks about the cross section, the fabricated cross section between morality and work ethic. Oh my God, it bugs me. First of all, first and foremost, it is so obviously a control mechanism of the government. How people haven't figured that out yet is fucking beyond me. Obviously, we were all raised into a system of thinking that good people equals good worker so that we would one day become a cog in the machine and not ask any questions. That couldn't be more obvious. And it drives me nuts that like people that spew this ideology don't recognize that. It drives me bonkers. Um... So, so growing up, like, I guess I should backtrack a little bit. So growing up, my um, upbringing, my parents uh, very much had the phenomenon that I feel like a lot of families have of thinking that their experience is the experience. Uh, My dad is a very hard worker. I think, I feel like he really put that autism to work for him. And I have this too, (laughs) of like this hyper fixation dialing in, like we have the capacity to, when we find something that means something to us, like really fucking working at it. Um, so that was his experience and it was kind of like, he kind of passed that down. I mean, I have it cause I'm autistic anyway, but like that (laughs) rhetoric was really heavily infused in my upbringing. This idea of hard work is, is good, like morally good. It's necessary, which that part is true. Like fair enough to put food on the table. You do have to work hard, but there was not a huge amount of time or energy spent on why, like why it matters to work hard at something, like find something that means something to you and like put your heart and soul into it because that matters to you. And it it wasn't really framed that way. It was more so like, you know, my dad would always say in, in grades, in high school, mostly he'd be like, well, your peers are your competition. <laughs> Guys, I haven't, I haven't seen, I haven't seen anyone I go to high school with. I know what he was getting at, but first of all, that's not really how the job market works anymore. You're not really i mean it's it is competitive at some points it's not it's less competitive in other points i'm not going to go down a whole economic thing but like that was the framing of like your peers are your competition and like the game that you're playing is trying to put food on the table like that's fucking Mm. crazy and dystopian as shit parts of it are true again you have to like find some way to hold down some kind of job to put food on the table but like this hyper vigilance around make sure you're always the best and the top most top performing and you know even sometimes now 
Um, I obviously, I've been working an office job. I started working part-time when I was 15. Mistake. I had no reason to do that. I started working full-time when I was 19 and I'm 29. So I've been working full-time for 10 years, nonstop. And I, again, huge fucking mistake. I started working full-time when I lived at home with my parents for no financial reason. And I regret it. So, I mean, it is where I met my husband. So fair enough. But the work aspect of it, I regret wholeheartedly. Um, I I sacrificed my whole youth in the name of work. And I didn't even really consciously do it for that. It wasn't like I bought what my dad was selling. It was like it was just this autopilot thing that I went into. Um, yeah. Did and, they, like, encourage you or, like, did he rather encourage you to do that or was it something that you, like, sought out to do? I did it myself. I did it myself. Yeah. Um, I started working at 15 part-time because I wanted to move out. Because <laughs> I, I, nice. I got, like, mad at my parents one day and I was like, I'm going to move out and get a job. And I got the job, but obviously I never moved out. I was working part-time at a gym. Yeah. Like, I'm not going anywhere. <laughs> um, and then I started working full time. I just kind of fell into it. I knew I met someone that they had a job and I was like, okay. And I just, I never stopped to ask myself, A, what do I need to be doing? You know, because if I don't need to, shouldn't I be acting like a 19 year old? Never crossed my mind. And I never, I never asked myself, like, what do I want to get into? Like, what do I want to start doing? Yeah. Never asked myself those questions. Just kind of like fell into where I'm at right now. And I'm going through this thing at work where I'm having to like take a step back from a promotion that I had gotten a year ago and I'm going back to like a, a lesser role. And that was like tough for me to do in the sense of like, I felt like I was kind of giving up a little bit and, um, like like listening to my parents and I haven't told them that I'm doing this, but every time I see my parents, there's always this push to like, well, what's next? Like what's next in your career? How can you move up? you know, this constant fixation on like more, 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 move up, move up, move up. And I I think I've kind of just come to a place where I'm like, I'm going to do what I have to do. Like, don't worry. Like if shit hits the fan, I can do, I can work hard. Like I'll do what needs to happen, but I'm not going to like do way more just cause, um, that math isn't mathing in my head. So it's been a whole journey though. Yeah, totally. The whole like more, more, more thing, like Oh man. Yeah. Yeah. I I had to learn that lesson pretty hard. Um, like in a, in a different way, I suppose before I was at this job before we moved here. And when we lived in Boston, I had, like I said before, it was the job I stayed at for a year and I would have stayed at happily for another year. But honestly, it was probably in my best interest that we moved and that I was taken away from that because when I was in that environment where I really liked it, I loved my, my bosses. I loved all of my clients and everything. Yeah. When I was in that environment, I, and I do have this tendency anyway to like, when I do enjoy myself, I become like a workaholic. Like I'm just like always, I always want to be doing the thing that, you know, I just want to be doing it all the time. And, Mm -hmm. but you can't, you literally can't physically do that with (laughs) massage, but Boy, did I test the boundaries of that. I was Mm -hmm. in the office, like, there were only, at most, there were only, like, five people who worked in that office, including the two owners. And I was there, like, more than anybody else. Like, I was working, like, five days a week at one point, doing, like, five massages a day, four or five massages a day. My body was not happy with me. 
And I really paid the price for that. And so I had to take a moment because I was like, well, I'm making like really good money because I was like they were paying me well and the business was good. So I was like, might as well make money, make as much money as I can, you know. But yeah, then it was like, well, yeah, I could make more money so I can what? Like elevate my lifestyle and then what? Like, why not be trapped and have to continue it? Right, exactly. So, like, why not just learn how to, like, pull back a little bit, not spend as much, save money, and then not have to actually physically kill myself? (laughs) Yeah. It's interesting because I've had this thing my whole life where I I didn't want stuff. And I'm not saying this, like, brag or anything, but, like, I would be, like, a little kid and my parents would be like, what do you want for Christmas? And I would be like, a stuffed animal. Like, I don't want a lot of stuff. Like, I have always been very turned off by that. And I think it's because I realized the trap of it. Earlier, when you were talking about how your dad was constantly struggling to, you know, make ends meet. And so you adopted this philosophy that, like, money is hard and, like, life is a struggle. (laughs) I adopted the exact same mentality, but my dad made a shit ton of money. My dad was very, yeah. very lucrative in his career. We had polar opposite financial experiences, but the underlying thing that we were taught was still the same. How is that a system that functions? Whether you're winning right. the game or losing the game, the story's the same. You're going to hate it and you're going to struggle and it's going to be tough the whole time. How is that winning? How does anyone win in that game? <laughs> yeah. It's really sad. It's really fucking sad. It and is. like, Taking it back to what we were initially talking about in the topic, like, I don't, this is where it gets tough because I don't blame people who fall into, whether it's like they're doing it in like the spiritual sphere or somewhere else. I don't blame people who fall into like the trap of like, well, I'm just going to make money online and I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. And like, you see it with like MLMs and you see it with like... I always get, and I think maybe this is because, like, I've been working on my course, so I've been, like, researching, like, different things, so, like, the algorithm is, like, picking it up, and so I'll get, like, all of these stupid YouTube ads now for, like, you're doing your your Instagram ad campaign incorrectly, but I have the correct answer for you, and blah, blah, blah. and yeah. it's, like, nobody has the correct answer, nobody has the no. way through, And I think it's so interesting to think about the social media, like, career, whether it's within spirituality Mm -hmm. or not. It's so interesting to think about it within that context because it's like, yeah, all of these people are doing and saying all of these ridiculous things. People are, like, doing all of these clickbaity, cringy things just to get views. And it's like, yeah, that in itself is cringy, but, like what is the system that like made somebody think that they had to do that <laughs> in the first right. place? Yeah. Like, it is interesting. Sad. I think sometimes, you know, when we talk about like capitalism and consumerism and stuff, like it's like people forget that we're the ones making it this way. Um, I don't know. It's a little dicey, a little difficult, but like, the algorithms funnel us shit because we keep clicking on shit. If we stopped clicking, the algorithms are just set up to get us the stuff that we want. So if we only wanted wholesome, helpful, intelligent content, that's all we would get. So the fact that we have an ecosystem online of utter nonsense is because we keep clicking on utter nonsense. So I don't know. 
double-edged sword. I I agree and disagree because, like, I feel like what I've, like, in just taking my thing as an example, like, I've just been, like, just simply Googling, like, not even, like, super specific things or even going on, like, articles or, like, podcasts or anything like that, but literally just Googling and, like, going to Instagram's, like, about page or, like, the meta help page or, like, whatever of, like, how to do this, how to do that, and then all of a sudden I'm starting to get all of these ads and stuff to tell me how to run my ads and everything it definitely it definitely targets specific things i just mean like in general like when we see like a logan paul or someone where we're like how mm -hmm. is this person making more money than water on the face of the planet like how how did this happen it's like well if no one watched him it wouldn't have happened right like and yeah it's i don't know it's like a darker it's like a darker aspect of humanity and it's one of those weird things where like the line of blame kind of gets fuzzy and like he's still accountable for his own actions but also we're the ones empowering him it's the same thing with the kardashians everyone's like how how are their kardashians rich and famous because people are obsessed with them and like they watch all their shit and buy all their shit that's why um so uh okay let's go into our next topic here are you good on yeah on kind of like going through like what you were taught okay cool so the next thing that we had is how our thoughts have evolved so kind of taking what we were taught from the time that we were young about hard work and discipline and like what what it means to us now like what we consider it to be healthy and like how our thoughts have evolved there so i'll let you go first yeah so i have a couple of different points on this but i think the one that i want to talk about more is the whole and you kind of mentioned this earlier but the whole like work or career like is your identity thing like that is the biggest thing that I feel like I've shifted my perspective on and Mm. when I don't know it's so funny because looking back on like my whole saga to how I got to where I am like it makes sense why I have that like construct in my head of like what I do for work is like definitive in some way, shape or form of who I am because it always has been like I, when I was doing the worship leading thing and I was like really pushing for that to like become my job, it was because it was an expression of who I was. And, um, same thing with like getting a little, meta here I suppose but like same thing with like even doing the podcast here and doing like my YouTube channel and creating the course and like doing all these things like I it's so hard to find the balance between I'm doing this because I want to be doing this I'm doing this because I feel like it provides value to people in the world versus Mm -hmm. I'm doing this because I'm desperate to make money and I'm doing this because I'm desperate to prove that like this is who I am on some level and Mm -hmm. there's been a lot of like I've just had to do a lot of work around that and I think a lot of that has been going on in the background subconsciously up until this point um and yeah so I've kind of just had to come to this place of you know now especially as you know I'm a massage therapist currently but because of various different reasons I'm having to you know, go back to school and do something else, something else that I never really considered myself doing in the past. And it's like, I never really, you know, and it's so interesting to me too, even just looking at my thought processes on like 
what I decided to go to school for and like all of that. It's like when I was thinking about these things, it was like, well, you know, what could I see myself enjoying? And like, what could I see myself doing all day? And like really, Mm -hmm. um, like getting value out of or whatever. And like, I don't see like, so what I'm going to school for BT dubs, I was going to school for like marketing, but like that shit was so fucking boring, man. I could not. So, um, Mm -hmm. doing software now and it's a lot more interesting actually. (laughs) Um, like, yeah, I can actually pay attention to it. So that's fun. But um, like I could never see myself doing something like that before. And I had to have this shift where it was like, I'm not like I what I want to be doing is I want to be helping people. I want to be like providing something valuable to people in like a very healing, restorative, spiritual way, which is why I went into massage therapy and all of that. And it's mm-hmm. like at some point, you kind of just have to accept, like, this is the, like, it's yeah. so, like, existentialist yeah. and, like, whatever. But, like, this is what I am given, and so I'm going to work on what I'm passionate about and do everything that I can with it because it's important to me. But I'm not going to put so much pressure on myself to to the point where, like, you start seeing people that become really inauthentic and really desperate and, you know... So yeah. writing that line is, like, well, so hard. This pressure that we put on people to, like, the thing that m- you make money with and needs to be something that is, like, this value add to society and it's something that you're really passionate about and it means so much to you. I used to be fixated on that, of trying to find a way to pay my bills, doing something that meant a lot to me. I am no longer attempting to do that. Like, if our podcast takes off and I can pay the bills with that, excellent fantastic mm-hmm. i'm not going to try to make that happen in any form or fashion outside of just the normal stuff and i'm also not going to put this pressure on myself that the nine to five that i'm doing needs to be this great thing because the i think the realization that i've had is that a most people in the developed world work jobs that are utterly utterly meaningless and i think most of us yeah. know that and it's sad and fucked up but it's true um, a lot of us are getting paid to do utter nonsense. I'm not going to get sucked into this above and beyond culture and this like, man, this is pushed in the corporate sense. And it makes sense because the more free work they can get from you, the better. But I'm not falling for it anymore. I'm not on this yeah. fast track to keep climbing just for the sake of it. I'm not going to I'm not going above and beyond just for the sake of it. Like, yeah, I will do what needs to get done. I will do it well. I will do it on time. I will do it reliably but that's it. And that's all you're getting yeah. from me. And I'm not putting any emotions in it. You're not getting any emotions from me. Cause why would you? Um, and yeah, so it's almost like I've been disconnecting from work. And I think the pandemic kind of helped a lot with that and being able to be in my home, uh, and like look out the window and be like, Oh yeah, that's right. None of this is real. <laughs> like, <laughs> why am I getting emotionally attached to this? None of this is real. It's all fabricated. Yeah. Um, and, you... and again, I think, <laughs> go ahead. Sorry. No. Okay, so I actually, I wanted to talk about this, but then I totally forgot. And then you saying that just totally brought it back. Have you watched the show Severance? Yes. Yes, I have. It's so good. It's oh so good. Oh my god. The I whole time the I'm season. watching it, I'm like, this is what we're doing in some form or fashion. Yep. Um, obviously, Same. like, an extreme version of it, but, like, holy shit, this is what yeah. it feels like to work to work in the corporate America. 
utter, yeah. utter, utter trash. Just the worst of the worst. Yeah. And it's yeah. been a slow process. Like there are still some days where, you know, I still get emotionally attached and invested in what I'm doing, sure. but I'm, I'm getting better at it. Um, and it's funny because I mean, that's a direct contrast to like one of the things that I was taught growing up of my dad was very fixated on doing the most going above and beyond and going above and beyond because that's your character. That's what made you a good person. And I get where he's coming from because there is this sense of character of like, you can go to this person and you can trust them. And like, that's their character. I am still that for the things and the people that matter to me. I am not going to be that for an amorphous company that has not earned that from me. Um, Totally. Like a job is a transaction. I will do a for this amount of money and that's it. And if you want more, you'll pay me more, that type of attitude. So it's direct contrast to those two things. Yeah. And that's where to go back to like the healing component of this and the emotional component of this, my identity is no longer what I do to make money. If one day those two things can be linked, great, fantastic. But in the meantime, I'm not putting any kind of pressure on myself to find greater meaning under this system, this economic system. I will do what needs to be done. And I am my own person on the side. Um, yeah. Or rather, I am my own person who on the side is doing something to make money. Yeah. Because you were talking about how, you know, no longer putting like everything you have into your job, like every single day for every single moment. And mm-hmm. being a massage therapist, or I'm sure this is even more so for like actual like doctors and shit like saving people's lives like there is this pressure when you're in like a healthcare kind of field to just literally be like the best at any given moment and like to show up exactly the same for every single person and like in an ideal world you know the the massage therapist that you go see is going to be putting as much effort and thought and care into your session as they are the next person that comes in but in all Mm -hmm. reality maybe you've got like a huge trigger point in your your rhomboid that just refuses to go away and so your massage therapist is sitting there working on it like crazy and then the next person that comes in they've also got the same problem but now the massage therapist is tired and their hands hurt yeah. So like I also had to do a lot of work around that, but it's 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 so hard. It's so hard when mm-hmm. like you do care like you do actually care about what it is that you're doing. And in some ways because of that, I do think in some ways it is almost better sometimes to have a job where you can just disconnect because then you're not always in this state of like emotional like what is it called? Like compassion fatigue and like stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm sure I don't have direct experience with that, but I can only imagine if like over time you become desensitized or like you mentioned, like yeah. you're physic, you're using your body for your work. Like you're a yeah. human. You only have so much that you can do before you hit that wall. Yeah, totally. So yeah. So I, in some ways, like I said, I am looking forward to, exiting (laughs) that as like my main way of making money and doing something that I can more so just Mm -hmm. do and then it just be a thing that I do instead of like all this weird pressure (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah. Um, another mindset shift that's kind of similar, like related to what you were just talking about that I've shifted is so being growing up, uh, one of the things that I was taught, one of the like things I picked up from like what my parents would say and stuff is that <laughs> there's no nice way to say this. And they didn't say this outright, but the implied tone is that if you're poor, it's your own fault. Or if yeah. you're poor, you're lazy. Or a more nuanced but still unnuanced version of this is like, well, but there are a lot of lazy poor people, right? Maybe not all. There are extenuating circumstances, yeah. but like at the core, at the core, you could pick yourself up by your bootstraps. I loathe this ideology more than anything else. Um, I, you know, I keep saying that, but genuinely I do. I hate the way that we treat low skill workers in our economy because without them all of this goes away all of this falls apart the people that that work 12 hours a day standing in one spot putting two parts together so your car can function i don't think people have wrapped their head around if they don't do that you don't have a car yeah. You don't have trucks to deliver shit. Like we, we are our entire existence as an as an entity as humanity hinges on people putting their body through some really fucking tough stuff. They're paid dog shit for it and it's low skill. So somehow because it's low skill that justifies their lack yeah. of payment. It's it's yeah. utter nonsense, utter garbage. Totally. I loathe that sentiment. And I mean, I reject that completely. That idea resonates with me. Absolutely not at all. I know, quote unquote, lazy people exist. I mean, I think we could have a very deep philosophical conversation about this idea of lazy. I think more often than not, if everyone has their hierarchy of needs met from from the jump, from childhood on, they're not going to end up in this totally. lazy category. Most yeah. humans, if properly nurtured and nourished and provided for, are going to gravitate towards doing something of value to society. Not everyone, I'm sure, but this, like, expectation of, like, oh, yeah, you know how you, like, lived your whole childhood not knowing where your next meal is going to come from and how you're perpetually hungry and undernourished and your brain didn't develop properly because of that and, you know, you had this really tough upbringing. You were constantly in fight-or-flight mode because you didn't know if something bad was going to happen in your neighborhood. You know how you went through all that? Pick yourself up by your bootstraps. Go to college yeah. and get a good. Are you out of your goddamn mind? Why do people? Yeah. Where do people get off saying shit like that? I'll never. Yeah. I will never understand. I know it's cognitive dissonance and ego and all that shit, but it drives me fucking bonkers. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, yeah, and you know my. So I won't get, like go in and tell his whole story, but like my husband went through a lot of stuff in his childhood. Like I, I would say we both went through a lot of stuff. He just went through like a different sort of stuff. Like uh, his family, he I don't think he would have a problem with me saying this, but like he his family was homeless for a period of time, and then he um, went and had like a foster family and stuff like that, and that was the only reason why he was able to like. Um, go to college and everything was because he had the foster family who like gave mm -hmm. him a place to stay while he was in high school to finish that out on a good foot and then get into college and like all of that. And in a lot of ways, um, you know, he still struggles with a lot of things in terms of just the way he thinks about like money and um, work and stuff like that. Um, just like I do. But 
he he also had another like benefit or another like platform that I didn't have and that so many other people don't have in so many worse ways and that is that jumping off point of like where you finish high school like that can we just talk about how much that determines like where you go for the rest of your life like I feel like people don't talk about that enough because like even if a kid has like and I'm not like downplaying this at all but even if a kid has like a super traumatic terrible like early early life if they can at least finish high school like at a good place in a like getting good decent grades and a place where they're provided for and all of that then they have a good cushion to like go Mm -hmm. somewhere else but like if they don't even if they don't have that at any point in their life then they're just like fucked yeah like yeah well and i mean like most hiring decisions that happen have so much less to do with your capability than your ability to like present yourself well so like nine like i don't want to say like 90 percent because like i can't put a percentage on it but like such a high percentage of your ability to get a quote-unquote good job is like how attractive are you like i'm not talking like supermodel like is the interviewer like sexually attracted to you but i mean like do you look presentable or are right. you like is is there something about you that is unconventionally uh, conventionally unattractive or like your clothes maybe look a little scruffy cuz like you're from a, a lower socioeconomic right. status. People don't want to admit how much that plays a role and it absolutely fucking does. It absolutely does. Um man, there's just so many things. Yeah. There's so many complications to this conversation of like how people end up in situations to just adopt this pick yourself up by your bootstraps mentality is wild to me um but something i did want to bring up in this context of like rewriting the narrative and like you know changing our minds on certain things i do think that because people are so turned off by the pick yourself up by your bootstraps narrative they go hard in the opposite direction where it, 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 not in, not in all cases but it's like the idea of working hard towards something is somehow dirty or bad yeah. um and so if you find yourself desiring a specific outcome because we're so turned off by hustle culture it's like well it ter- takes this tone of expectation it should happen naturally we're all humans yeah. we should be able to just lay out in the sun and it's like guys there has to be some sort of middle of the ground understanding of this that we're not doing it for the benefit of hustle culture or to be a good person but there are still moments in your life where working hard and having a strong work ethic is is absolutely a positive thing totally thousand percent I totally agree and I'm so glad you brought that up because oh boy that is something that I'm definitely I mean I've been facing it and like working through it for a while but like Mm -hmm. I don't think I quite realized how um how like off kilter my whole like ideology regarding that was not just with work but just like discipline in general um and yeah, that's it's a whole thing. I actually side note, I um creating the course like so there's like three main I call it the three main like D words that we talk about. Mm-hmm. It's devotion, dogma, and discipline. And yeah, I like to think of discipline as kind of like it's not really dogma, but it's also not totally devotion because it's like it's like that middle ground where like 
you know what you want and you have a goal in mind and so you're working towards that it's kind of like someone training to run a marathon like they're not going to wake up at 4 a.m every single day and just like ready to go run every single day some days they're definitely going to feel that way because they're passionate about it but some days they're going to do it begrudgingly but they're still going to do it because they're disciplined towards achieving that goal so like yeah yeah. Sometimes I think people, because of hustle culture, and you see this a lot with health also, again, not to be like controversial, but what happens is, is that people equate having to force yourself to do something with that being bad. Um, right. And I, I don't think that that's always the case. I think there are many situations where discipline is forcing yourself to do something that you don't want to do in a given moment but you do want the ultimate end goal. And it's because you want it yourself, not because you're trying right. to prove exactly. something to someone else or make someone else happy. Like it's, it's, it's not hot and cold, right? Like there are still many situations in life where like you feel that tension and like that push between, I don't want to, but ultimately the end thing I do want. So you do have to force yourself to do uncomfortable things. Being uncomfortable 100%. is not bad. Um, and I think that's yeah. the piece that's maybe getting lost. Totally. And it's not just with work itself, too. Like, it's also in, like, saving money so you don't have to work so much. Like, you don't always get money and then you're like, I can't wait to put this in my – I mean, I don't do this at least. Not yet. (laughs) I can't wait to put this in my savings account and just see that number grow. Like – I wish I was that mm-hmm. person. My husband is that person, but I'm not that person. I'm kind of turning into that person now, like the older I get, because I don't know, man. I'm trying to like this idea of having like a very simple life is very appealing yep. to me. And I'm not always there, you know. Um, but I will say something I've found iron unironically. Um, not being on Instagram has helped me cut down on spending like a lot because yeah. I what will happen is I'll see something on Instagram and like a thought will pop into my head of like, Oh, I should do that. Or I should try that. Or, Ooh, that seems like fun. But like, had I never seen that ad or that other person talking about it, like it would have never even crossed my mind to even buy this product or anything like that. So yeah, staying off social media has really helped me like hone in and focus on having a simple life. Um, which I don't know. We'll see what happens with that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. Sorry if there's like an abrupt cut here. Ironic irony of all ironies. I had like a work situation that I was getting texts <laughs> and emails about that I had to attend to. Um, so the last topic that we had on the agenda, um, was kind of focusing on how work and discipline and all of that relates to our witchcraft practice. Um, yes. so go ahead. Izzy. Yeah. So, um, to be honest, I, I didn't really know what, like, what direction to take this in, but I think as far as it is, like, relevant right now, I think working with Odin is, like, really helping me in, in this aspect. Um, because, I mean, like I, like I mentioned, like, it's definitely helping me to heal my relationship with the masculine, um like the divine masculine in terms of like working with a masculine god but then also just the masculine side of myself because you know whatever gender you are like you have like both feminine and masculine Mm -hmm. energies in you um and i think it's funny because like i mentioned i do have this tendency to kind of become like a workaholic if you will but it's almost like that 
comes from my feminine side because it's like I'm putting so much pressure on myself to like create, create, create and like do all of these things. But it's like I'm putting all these parameters on like or I was in the past, you know, I would put so many parameters on like what it was that I could create because this is what is like considered good or like successful or what will yeah make money or whatever. Um, and now I'm kind of coming into this point where it's like I'm kind of balancing out now <laughs> where I feel like I'm able to trust myself and rely on myself enough to make money, but then also give myself the space to create and do all the things that I want to do. Interesting, because I, I don't know. I feel like, you know, obviously the, the, the conversation of is work, is discipline more masculine or feminine – I feel like people get really emotional about this topic because there are certain implications that one then gleans from that. You know, if you say like, oh, right. discipline is very masculine, people take it to a, well, then that means men are the only ones that should be working and men are the good workers. <laughs> like, guys, that's not, those no, two things are not We all have I masculine think. and feminine and... Correct. And yeah. also, like, the the concept of producing something or creating something is both masculine and feminine in that you the feminine both. component is the conceptualizing of it, the thinking of it, the dreaming it about it before it becomes reality. The masculine is making it in a physical sense, like doing the tasks that, that bring it into fruition. The only reason I say that is because feminine energy is spiritual and like mental mm -hmm. and masculine energy is physical like in the world mm -hmm. where like you know like tarot like feminine would be like the cups and the, mm -hmm. the swords and then masculine would be um like pentacles like the physical the tangible yeah. reality so that's why that's why i separate those two and again it almost doesn't even matter because yeah. we all have these energies within us so regardless of of who you are you have the ability to be a good producer of something oh, or work yeah. hard at yeah. something or have good discipline right but it's just an interesting thing to consider in the context of paganism and witchcraft because there is this balance and this duality to all of it and some people spend a lot of time in the creation stage of like the visualization stage, but they don't ever take it to the step of the creation of the producing it. And then other people will are, you know, are constantly doing stuff, but they're not really thinking about a grander vision or a grander purpose. And so there has to be, I mean, there doesn't have to be, but for me, there has to be a balance between those two so that I'm totally. taking the time to keep the grander vision in mind while then making sure that my efforts are producing the thing that I actually want instead of just mindless totally doing stuff because like i said my my dad was always kind of like jumping from thing to thing to thing and he was always like he never really had just like a job so he and because of that he was always always working basically you know yeah and because i saw that and then also because i also started working at a very young age um i think i kind of developed that kind of workaholic syndrome in a way and then but even when I look back on like the women in my life, like the women in my life were doing the same exact thing in one way or another, like, but it was all under the guise of like, I'm, I'm a woman. So I'm going to be like the Proverbs 31 woman. And I'm going to be like a stay at home mom and like do all these things. Mm -hmm. But then also I'm going to be a stay at home mom, but I'm also going to work my business in an MLM and like create <laughs> yeah. like financial freedom for my family and like all of this stuff. And so I feel like from 
from every angle almost. It was like I didn't have a chance to like have a healthy <laughs> like grow yeah. up with like a healthy view of of any of it. So um yeah, so just having different, I guess, ideals and um role models to look up to, like in, in goddesses and whatnot, like in a archetypal sense, but then also just like in different spiritual leaders and, and whatnot that I've been able to mm-hmm. to find throughout the years. So Yeah. Like in the context of, of my witchcraft and how it relates to work, uh, working with the Morrigan has been a trip when it comes to this because she is very demanding, right? Yeah. And she'll have like this, there's this sort of sense with her of like my, like I can't have excuses, but it's not that I'm beholden to her. It's this weird shift in perspective. Like when I first started working with her, I had this complex about like, well, I didn't want to fall into hustle culture and like this, this conversation about showing up every day and doing the work. It felt very hustle culture. So I know I didn't want to do that. But then at the same time, I'm working with this really intense, really powerful goddess for this really yeah. important and big reason there has to be discipline in that. Like there just does. And I've over, you know, this has taken me many years to kind of navigate and I'm still am in some regards, but for me, like the biggest shift has been stripping away this sense of obligation that I am not doing this. I am not working with her. I am not practicing witchcraft. I am not reading, you know, more information or trying to learn more. I'm not doing any of that out of a sense of obligation. Like I don't owe it to anyone. I am doing it because I believe in a greater why and a greater vision behind it. And I feel like shifting my perspective on that has really helped me heal a lot, frankly. And it's also on those days when you're like, I just don't fucking feel like praying. I don't feel like meditating. I don't feel like pulling cards. It really helps to have something bigger that you're fighting for. And it's not just, it's not just because that's what good witches do. It's because you want something to come into fruition. So that has been a really big thing for me. The other thing is, you know, I've had to kind of learn how to work with my body instead of working against it. Like a big part of discipline in the eyes of other people is even when you're tired, even when you're sick, even when you're struggling with X, Y, and Z, like you still show up and you still push. And like, it doesn't look like that for me all the time. Yeah. Now I don't make excuses for myself. I enter into things consciously. So I know myself enough now where I have to set boundaries and I set those boundaries on the front end. So I'm still able to have discipline and show up and get the damn thing done. I don't get myself to a point where then I'm like, look, I can't. And now I got to like bail on something that was important to me. Like that's, yeah, that's the difference. If that makes sense. Totally. Yeah, I totally get that. I totally get that. Um, yeah, you're you're gonna love the course because it's like all <laughs> like I'm so excited. Yeah, just like coming from it, it has to come from a place of like I want to do this, and like there's a reason why I want to do this instead of like instead of like oh, like, I feel like I have to do this or, like, the Morgan's gonna be, like, angry at me or, like, right. you know, something yes. like that. Correct. And then something bad will happen and she will, like, curse me for the rest of my life or something right. stupid. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, the only other thing that I had was um, doing, like, things to help me kind of piggybacking off of, like, the the 
working with your body thing that you were just talking about. Um, like using witchcraft as a way to like take care of my body and a way to like motivate me to take care of my body in a way like yoga for Mm -hmm. me is like a super, like it is a physical practice, but it's also a very spiritual practice. Like, um, so keeping up with that is really helpful, um, in like balancing out my body and then therefore, you know, making me able to like withstand, you know, stressful work days and events and things and whatnot. And then also like, um, I love, I love, and I just started getting back into this. I used to do this all the time, but doing like ritual baths and things and making Mm, like little, um, I did do this in like a long time ago. And then I stopped when I like inadvertently subconsciously was rebelling against the green witch thing. Um, (laughs) but I would like make these little like blends and like, did I know what basil was for or what lavender's magical property was? No, but it smelled good. So I put it in my bath and steamed like I was tea. And (laughs) so I've just started doing that Mm -hmm. again and I really, I really enjoy it. And it helps me to just stay balanced because I think that's the biggest thing is like, whether we're talking about like you know, my very physical job of being a massage therapist or, like, doing school or, like, doing, you know, things that I want to be doing, like the podcast and YouTube and all of that, like, just having to take care of myself and, like, keep a balance and all of that is, like, the most important thing for sure. That's an interesting piece about discipline that you just brought up because, like, I think about, like, this is such a weird thing to have discipline about, but, like, cleansing my home. Not cleaning, but, Mm -hmm. like, cleansing, like, smoke cleansing and, like, clearing it out. It's one of those things where you're like, this is this is stupid. Like, what's the point? Like, it's fine. (laughs) Like, it's fine. What am I doing this for? But when you do it consistently over time, I'll be damned if I don't notice a difference. It's like one of those things where you're forcing again, this is like a weird example, but like you're forcing yourself to do something that in the moment you're like, I don't want to do this, or this is useless and unnecessary. But there's a piece of you that knows that there's a bigger why. And ultimately it's serving a a grander purpose. So maybe a little bit of a ridiculous example, but like I definitely have to have discipline when it comes to cleansing, energetically cleansing my home. Cause if I just leave it up to, do I feel like it? No, I never do. I never feel like it. (laughs) Yeah, totally. Yeah. I totally get that. I I know sometimes like, do you usually cleanse with like sage or like, what do you use? I'll honestly, I've like, I've, my mother-in-law gave me like a giant bundle of like, like herbs and I don't even know what's in them. I've just been using them to like use them. But normally what I'll do is I grow like garden sage in the um, mm. springtime and like lavender. And I like to grow my own stuff and then I'll dry it yeah. and save it. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. I tried mm-hmm. to do that at one point, but my cats literally will eat any green thing that yeah. I like, even if I hide it from them somehow they will get one time I brought in this big fucking it was huge this big purple flower that was just growing on the side of the road and I was like I want that and I asked it if I could have it and it said yes so I picked mm-hmm. it up and I brought it into my house it's huge it's like as big as my head like it was a big purple flower put it on my altar and I was like oh my god it's so pretty like I love it and then I left for like 10 minutes I come back because I grabbed my tarot deck I come back my cat had like fucking ate it it was like this big ass <laughs> flower. She was just like sitting there chomping on it. There's just like a little bit of it. Like, oh my gosh, she's, she's crazy. She's she also eats yeah. hair ties. She'll eat hair mm-hmm. ties and then she throws them up, and then she just oh. she never stops. Like she's 
She also used to steal my socks when she was a baby and put them in the litter box for some reason. So she's, she's pretty strange. <laughs> but anyway. <laughs> All right. Well, we can wrap up because um, we got to film our, yes. our tarot poll here too. Yes. So just some closing reminders. Uh, if you're following us on YouTube, give us a like, a share, show from your Richie friends, subscribe to the channel. Uh, if you're on another podcasting platform, definitely leave us that five-star review if you think that we've earned it. Merch and Ko-Fi will be listed down below, but we will leave it here for this week. I have been one of your hostesses, Sarah. And I've been your other hostess, Izzy. We'll see you next time. We'll see you guys next week. <laughs>